Hello and welcome. My name's Ryan Johnson and this is the Saltcast. And today, everybody, do I have a treat for you. Um, before I kind of, you know, introduce who's on the podcast today, let me just give you a quick bio of this amazing person that we have on with us today. Not often do we have somebody on <laughs> in our same space in the sales tax world. This is true. But I'm excited for today's. So let me let me give this introduction. So um, our guest is Jamie, and she assists uh, business in all aspects of state and local tax, from compliance to audits and administrative proceedings through litigation. Outside of work, Jamie serves a variety of organizations, including Mother's Esquire, Trinity College Board of Trustees, a local dental nonprofit, and several bar associations. Jamie enjoys raising her fiercely independent, impish daughter, singing and hiking around Maine with her husband, daughter, and dogs. Now, Jamie, that is impressive. So I was hoping you could kind of talk about yourself a little bit more and sure. kind of introduce your firm. Hi, guys, and, and I'm excited to be here. Um, as Ryan said, my name is Jamie Zal. I am an attorney at Brandon Isaacson. Uh, you may have heard of that little internet tax case from four years ago, the Wayfair case, um, and that was that was ours. Um, so, um, you know, it's um, it's been a wild ride. I, I am a tax nerd. Um, I used to shun at that a little bit. We're like, you know, the people at the cocktail party that nobody wants to talk to, but I, texting is exciting. Um, I'm going to convince you on that. Um, and I, I have spent my whole professional career as a lawyer in, in the salt world. Um, I jokingly tell people we're the black sheep of the tax family, but we have the best puns and the best humor and the best jokes and the most interesting tax as far as I can tell. So um, that, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Uh, we're, we're up this little firm up in Maine, kind of taking on the big dogs with Wayfair and got new litigation out in California, cookie, Texas, cookie Nexus litigation in Massachusetts and punching above our weight. So I love it. That's so cool. So awesome. I appreciate yeah. you jumping on with us. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about uh, your history I understand you worked with uh, Massachusetts, right, before joining the firm? I did. Uh, before I came over to BNI, I was at the Massachusetts Department of Revenue for eight years. Uh, and then I went to the right side, dark side, whichever group of my <laughs> friends you want to talk to, <laughs> um, and joined BNI. And, I, you know, I remember sitting there in my interview um one of the senior partners, George, who did the Wayfair arguments at the court, said, well, why do you want to come work for us? And I sat there and I said, you know, the Supreme Court is just like dangling a little carrot in front of me. And a year later, there we were with Wayfair. So it was, was so cool. I manifested it. <laughs> True. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> it was power, a lot of fun. Power in that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that's my background. Yourself? I just, yeah. Yeah. Do you find yourself doing more sales tax or income tax or uh, what is it? Yeah. Uh, I started I mean, my career a lot more in income. I do it. Yeah. I, we, I don't do much property <laughs> tax. I don't do much estate tax. Um, 
you know, I started my career a lot more with income tax, especially when I was still stateside. Um, but as you could probably guess, in the lead up to Wayfair, the whole Kill Quill movement, and then mm-hmm. in the years post Wayfair, when everybody was grappling with like, okay, now what? Um, how the heck do I figure out 50 states of compliance? Um, it's been a lot of sales tax lately. We're starting to yeah. see a swing back to income taxes as states. Yeah you know, refocus back on other audit priorities. Um, yeah, but we, but we do it all. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's just yeah. fun. You know, it's, 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 it really is. I was trying uh, to describe it to someone the other day with the tax world, another fellow tax pro. And they said, you know, I, I, you guys would probably agree, but I, find that tax people often describe why they like taxes as, you know, puzzle solving, right? We're trying to figure out and put all the pieces together. And Mm -hmm. I like to think of salt as 3D puzzle solving, right? You've got the issue that you're putting together and then you multiply that by all the different jurisdictions. And yeah. That's a good way to put it. I like that, a 3D puzzle. Because it it certainly is. I mean, you're you're solving problems, you're finding solutions, and oftentimes Mm -hmm. the states don't make it easy on you. I mean, they provide this legislation, right? And then it's Mm -hmm. they leave it gray or ambiguous, so that they can come in and interpret however they would like under an audit situation to rule in their favor. Um, I mean, on the sales tech side, you deal with that on a number of issues from data processing services to software as a service to <clears throat> information mm-hmm. services. Well, what is the service I provide? And how would you define that? Well, <laughs> the state defines this as this, <laughs> and the state defines this as this. And so under audit, I could see it going either way, but here's yeah. how I would argue it, and yeah. here's the reasons why. And so it just becomes this unnerving issue and problem of trying to stay yeah. compliant constantly um reviewing yeah. and uh changing or making adjustments yeah so. and it's there's no uniform definition of anything across any of the states or or jurisdictions yeah. heck i mean you look at illinois and there's a difference from what's enforced at the state level versus at the local level too yeah. so right it gets right. really complicated really you quickly. Have similar instances in colorado where yeah. the state imposes one thing and then you have the home rolls of denver and Colorado mm-hmm. Springs, who completely different. <clears throat> or the retailer delivery feed fiasco of this year oh. just highlighted that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now I understand that the states are ruling on whether or not that fee uh, is taxable, whether the state of Colorado now charges tax on that fee. So they yeah. require the taxpayer to collect this, what they're calling the retailer's delivery fee, right? Yeah. Which is a, a certain. Uh, 27 cents per transaction mm. and now it's now now it's a matter of well do i charge tax on it is it included in my taxable base or mm-hmm. not and it's not at the state level <laughs> but it is at certain city levels <laughs> and you try to yeah. you know grapple with your tax side you, you try to figure this out all right well how do i set my tax solution and tax software so that way it has that rule in there, right? Only in these three weird home rule cities in Colorado do I have to right. change the tax base. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, we talk a lot about how, um, you know, there is wisdom in providing automation mm-hmm. to what you're doing. And then there are complete downfalls to providing automation. So you take the pros with the cons. You take the good with the bad of mm-hmm. uh, automation. Uh, automated providers and service providers out there, but um, this idea that it's constantly evolving and changing 
I mean, both in the sales tax space and the mm-hmm. income tax and uh, legal space. It's quite mm-hmm. surprising to me how difficult it is on businesses and taxpayers across the board to keep up yeah. with. Yeah. And it's when we say constant changing, it's constant changing. I mean, every week something new is coming out uh, and changing right. in different jurisdictions. And um, it, it's that pace of change has slowed down a little bit from the post Wayfair yeah. period, but not all that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, it's like going back to raising a baby, right? You, just when you think you've got everything <laughs> under control, <laughs> you've got the schedule, everything changes. <laughs> it's like this, the tax world right now. So uh, yeah. that's wild. What um what what is what are some of the things uh, that are hot in your world, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be sales or income? Obviously, at Pines and Johnson, we focus sales and use tax. Our listeners are used to mm-hmm. us talking about sales and use tax. Um, but what are some other things that they ought to be concerned or aware of? That's hot in your world that you're currently working on or have worked on over the last twelve months. Yeah. Type of a There's, thing. I'd put it kind of in three three big buckets of the things that are hot. Um, Massachusetts and its cookie nexus enforcement remains very active and very aggressive. Um, you know, for the, for people out there, this is one of those states that's the only one now that is still trying to go for periods that predate the Wayfair decision on right. this I don't know if I want to use the word harebrained. My former colleagues might be like, Jamie, come on now. <laughs> but, but this theory, right, that um, uh, yeah, that that one got fun when you're just like, yo, yeah, friend, <laughs> work with me here. Um, and just, just so our listeners are aware, I mean, yeah. we talk a lot about how it all starts with Nexus. Andy, one of the founders, co-founders mm-hmm. of Pfizer Johnson, wrote a book. It starts with Nexus. And that's when the state can impose upon you as a business to collect their tax. And so when we talk about cookie nexus, we're not talking about chocolate chip cookies and delivering chocolate chip cookies. We're talking about Mm -mm. the cookies on your computer from an internet browser that are left on the computer by a company merely going to your website, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. We're all getting those privacy notices these days. Every time Mm -hmm. you go to a website, this website uses cookies. Those Uh are the cookies we're talking about. And, um, you know, this, the, the two kind of, aspects that we're dealing with still in Massachusetts. For one, it is under active litigation, right? It's my firm is representing um, uh, U.S. Auto Parts Network, which is the name of the the, mm-hmm. the company, um, challenging this very regulation saying, you know, there is absolutely no way that Cookie yeah. Nexus constitutes the type of physical presence that was required to have. And we sat there in the arguments last week and and the state truly is arguing that, you know, cookies are electrons and electrons have mass at the atomic level and mass therefore is tangible and physical and creates nexus. I kid you not. That was the argument. And and I I was kind of rolling my eyes a little bit, but they went there um, and, and trying to say that, cookies create nexus but this i think the more concerning part that the state is raising now is they're they've almost like washed their hands of the cookie nexus part even with the atomic mass in the state of massachusetts um and they're saying that under the rules that exist in the supreme court right now the precedent that exists uh, that when the court overturns its own precedent 
it's as if the old rule never existed. So when it comes to taxes, what Massachusetts is trying to argue, and I think this is very dangerous for other areas as states kind of jump on it, is to say that it's as if Quill never existed. The physical yeah. presence rule never existed. And so the state can retroactively apply Wayfair to justify this regulation for periods that predated the Wayfair decision. Um, yeah, so that that is what, you know, the state is really pushing in this argument that it, it can now kind of rescue a regulation that couldn't stand on its own feet before and now needs to enforce it. And and you'd think that, you know, the ultimate irony is Massachusetts repealed this regulation. It was short-lived. It only was right. around for two years because the state changed the statute, right, to officially yeah. adopt economic nexus. Um, yeah. But they're still sending notices out to companies. So, uh, you know, for businesses that are now registered in Massachusetts, are now compliant, but didn't register before the states change the statute, be aware because the state is still sending out these facetious love letters, as I call them, to say, you know, we think you had enough sales that you should have been subject to this old regulation that is now dead because we repealed it and we want your money during that period anyway. Um, so, yeah, that, the Massachusetts is hot. I mean, we laugh about it because it's it's laughable, in my opinion. But I mean, businesses are 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 getting impacted. They're they're severely impacted by this idea that you know the state can merely come in and even though it was appealed historically, right? They can mm -hmm. go and revisit it. And yeah, we we ruled on it uh, in this way several years ago, mm -hmm. but now yeah, we're going to rule in a in a different way. Yeah. What? Like, yeah. how, how can you do that to a business who's just, you know, trying to keep up and make a dollar and now yeah. they have to deal with this retroactive baloney? You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, you're speaking to my heart because that's how I feel on a lot of it. But, you know, it's it's sad. I think the states um, don't appreciate how challenging and difficult it is to yeah. implement a software solution for companies and this type of automation that you're talking about, Paul, it's critical. I mean, I've talked yeah. to some clients and they say, oh, can I do it manually? Do you, like, what really can I do it by oh. myself? And it's like, no, I'm sorry, but oh. no, get, do yourself a favor, do us all a favor and get some sort of software system in place. Yeah. And I mean, I remember having those conversations when I was on the state side, they truly think it's a flip the switch and you, you're done. Yeah. It takes months to integrate yeah. and yeah. to do it properly and to make sure that you're set up to collect yeah. and, I think states just don't um, don't appreciate that. Don't appreciate the challenge that it was post Wayfair for people to get into compliance. And now we're starting to see it too. I think you know I talked about those kind of three areas that I'm seeing a lot. The next biggest one is you know, the audits are coming. We're starting yeah. to see states like Wisconsin and Nebraska and Illinois, Massachusetts, obviously, Texas are some of them, that they're sending these notices out to remote sellers saying, you know, we started enforcing economic nexus in October of 2018. Yeah. Here's a nexus questionnaire, you know, yeah. send us, fill it out and send it back to us and we're going to assess you yeah. and are really just not at all open to hearing 
the kind of due diligence, the stories of the companies in the efforts right. that they went to to get technologically capable to comply in right. the first place. Yeah, it's surprising. Uh, you know, even our own clients, you know, who have automated solutions in place, mm-hmm. um, and those who don't, like trying to implement. You know, another one that comes to mind that was a real headache was that Colorado one, the retailer's mm-hmm. delivery fee. I'm supposed to charge this fee now on top of all of the orders? But it's only per transaction, not per delivery, like mm-hmm. trying to keep up with that. Uh, mm-hmm. The state just imposes it, and then they set a deadline, a deadline of next month or two months down the road. You, you, this has got to be in place. It's just yeah. like absolute weight mess. Yeah. One of the other things that I thought that the state did do a good job on, some of the states anyway, uh, was on the economic nexus. When they imposed the economic nexus legislation, some of the states said you had until the following year to register. Mm-hmm. So they gave you ample time to figure mm-hmm. out a software solution, how to get the taxes turned on, how to collect it, and then how to remit it. Like, how mm-hmm. do I even become compliant? I'm, I'm just trying to sell uh, some fidget spinners for crying out loud in your state. <laughs> I don't know anything about tax. You know what I mean? So I thought that was I thought that was nice of some of the states who 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 allowed that delay or gave the taxpayer time to collect. Yeah, unfortunately, my home state of Maine was not one of them, but um, <laughs> that that is one of those aggressive states that yeah. you know it went live July one of twenty eighteen. Yeah. Nine days after the court issued its Wayfair decision. Of course, they didn't announce that until mid-August, but they oh, did say, yeah, yeah, naturally. <laughs> By the way, your return is due in five days. You should have been collecting six weeks ago. Don't forget to file. Then you go and file the return notice, late. They go file the return late and now mm-hmm. penalties and interest. Oh, yeah, you should have known that that was due five days ago. I mean, come on. Clearly. Yeah, yeah that's... Game. That's a challenge. You know, with these Nexus questionnaires, too, there's such a trap for businesses because, like, how do you know how to respond to that? You think you're going to be in good faith and write down the responses to all the questions and send them all the data that they're asking for. And what what happens? You get this, you know, 30-year assessment bill coming back to you saying, well, what did I do? Help me. Oh, hello. You misunderstand the case <laughs> or whatever the case Ooh, may be. Hang on, pups. So, oh, yeah. so what questions on there are, you know, yeah. traps? Like, what should you be aware of? Mm. Like, I'll give you an example with, with out of Wisconsin right now because the state is sending these notices actively out to companies. You know, they're looking for seven years worth of back data. Um, the state did not begin enforcing economic nexus till 2018. So they're seeking multiple years of data prior oh. to when they began enforcing it. Um, they are asking for your customer's names and the volume of sales to each customer. I'm sorry, the UPS delivery man is in the background. <laughs> Life of working from home. Um, they're asking for or, um, you know, you the, the those are some of the big ones. You know, the date you began selling, are you registered? They're probing things like, um, you know, why are you not registered for income taxes, stuff like that. And, and you think on there, um, okay, well, that doesn't necessarily seem that nefarious, right? You get this and say, all right, well, seven years worth of data, seven years is kind of your standard tax period. My accountant tells me save seven years worth of records. Okay, so I have the numbers. But when you think about it, it's 
All right. Well, the state can only require me for the last four years because that's mm -hmm. when they were enforcing economic mm -hmm. nexus. So that mm -hmm. there's trap one. Is it a state that only looks at retail sales? Does it include wholesale sales? Does it include exempt sales? Is it only based on taxable sales? So all of those questions go in I when exclude, I look at it. Can yeah, I what can I? Please facilitate yeah. sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all mm -hmm. of that. And so you know, if you are a taxpayer, a business just getting one of these notices on your own, those are things you may not think about. And you may end up sending the state far more information than the state's mm -hmm. entitled to require you to send. Yeah. Um, I think and, from an overall yeah. perspective, whether it's a nexus questionnaire or an audit, I mean, the state just makes these blanket requests, right? We need mm -hmm. all of this information. Your whole general oh. ledger. Oh. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't don't do send that. that. <laughs> don't send that. Just send this. Yeah. And then you send that and then the states get by. Oh, they figure yeah. it out. Yeah, I'm not going to provide you my depreciation schedule of all my assets. Why would I do that? <laughs> it has no impact on what we're doing here. So let's no. just stay in the lane. But no, oftentimes, so one state recently was asking for every return you filed in every other yeah. state. Yeah. I'm like, no, <laughs> you're not entitled to that. No, I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> Explain to me how my sales in Nebraska yeah. have anything to do with my business in Wisconsin. Yeah. It doesn't Nothing. have anything yeah. to do with so I'm not going to provide it. Sorry. Yeah. That's where but. it's worth, you know, a five minute phone call with yeah. your tax pro to just say, hey, I got this notice. Yeah. How do I respond? Because let me tell you, it is far more worth spending the like hundred bucks it's going to cost you to talk with me through for this on my charges than it is to fight the $10,000 or $100,000 assessment that you've got on the yeah. back end, especially if it's coming out of some of these states like California and New York that have pay to play requirements where you have to pay that assessment to challenge right. it in the first place. Right. And, and oh that, my goodness. Yeah. An absolute yeah. nightmare. Yeah. Absolute nightmare. Yeah. Hmm. So traps, watch out. Send yeah. your accountants those love letters. Open your mail. <laughs> Check them on you the know, one of the things one of the things I, I talk to clients a lot about when they get the these letters and things is the fact that you know, you can't just bury your head in the sand and ignore them. No. So the last thing you want to do is just ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. Uh, we're working with a client right now who ignored it for a long time mm -hmm. uh, and you know this the state just starts levying or putting mm -hmm. a lien on their bank account right they're freezing <laughs> your assets and they start pursuing them it's just like yeah. it didn't have to get this messy <laughs> just respond or just do yeah. this little thing and you know it doesn't have to be as complicated or overwhelming as you may think um, yeah. you know just by collaborating or talking with a tax professional uh, yeah. can really help make your life much easier and and it's painful too, you know. Texas moves to that levy stage very quickly, yeah. um, among some other states. And when you start to get levies or liens on your property, that's not just a tax matter. That's not just a financial matter. That could put you in default on some of your other financial mm -hmm. obligations, your letters, right. lines of credit, your other debt financing for your business. So it it becomes really problematic really quickly if you kind of take that head in the sand approach. Yeah. And then they start sending letters to the owners and officers of the company. Mm -hmm. The last thing you want is for the president of the company to call you because he received something at his personal home address mm -hmm. pertaining to something that you failed to respond to, right? It's like, mm -hmm. oh. Nobody wants that. I can't imagine. Nobody wants that. <laughs> I can't imagine. Cannot imagine.
happy Thanksgiving. Here's your tax bill. (laughs) (laughs) Be grateful. (laughs) You know, I do write a lot about gratitude, Ryan, but gratitude for unexpected tax notices (laughs) is not one of those poems. (laughs) 100%. 100%. Not one of those you're grateful for. No. No. I love it. No. I love it. So... Jamie, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Uh, Paul, you as well. It's always, it's been really fun to hear you guys chat <laughs> about the world of sales tax and taxes in general. Yeah. And Jamie, maybe we'll see you in the Supreme Court again as we're we'll following. See, Nexus case is coming up. So, dude, that is amazing. I cannot imagine how that would feel. That'd be so so cool. Dude, like, over under tax world betting pool, you know, who gets to send the chocolate chip or oatmeal <laughs> raisin sure. cookies, depending on how this case comes out. <laughs> That's awesome. And on that note, it has been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you. Well, until next time, we'll see you on another one. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks all. <laughs>